If there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the ra- realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity. What should we be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when, he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast, the second week in a row where you get to see, uh, well, Low Copper. Lil Copper. I was going to say, you didn't actually get to see him last time, but you probably heard him sniff the mic. Um, <laughs> uh, that being said, uh, we, we have no idea what he's going to do, so we'll, we'll try and keep him calm and make the audio sound good. Uh, but I'm here, as always, with my wonderful co-host, um, the one who makes this all possible and great and wonderful. Copper. Uh, TJ Tiberius, Mom Blackwell. Copper. With his, ne- <laughs> with his nephew, Copper. <laughs> Uh, and we both and copper copper really likes all of our patrons uh he says what's that he's gonna give them all a good lick yeah yeah he loves all of our patrons as do we um today we're going to be introducing the book of job uh we'll talk about why in a minute uh this is our dividing scripture series uh you might know that we're in the middle of genesis um yeah so we're gonna stop and do the entire book of job so uh well we'll probably finish genesis eventually mm-hmm. um yeah, so before we do anything else, uh, we we like to review audience engagement. And um, for this week's Fun Day Friday, we, we, we like to ask our silly questions. We, we offer them to you guys. If you had to act, hang out with any retro video game character, who'd you choose? Jacob Stone chose Frogger. Excellent choice. He's just going to jump around. Right. Might get a little froggy, but. Sounds sounds like a good choice, um. Which is our silly question today as well, TJ. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll let you go first because I I don't really have a like a strong answer on this one. Uh, which retro video game character would you like to hang yeah. out with? How do we define retro? How many years or like how many console generations? Well, uh, most things that are like cultural like that. I would uh, text my friend TJ and ask him what he thinks the consensus would be. Okay. I'm going to say like 15 years is old enough to be retro. Perfect. Or, yeah, 15. Then I think I have an answer. Yeah. I'm going to pick Baudur from Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, (laughs) which came out about 15 years ago. (laughs) Is that that why you defined Uh, it that way? Yeah, he was just a really cool dude. He had... uh, had one arm, but the other arm was like a, a cool, like, you know, classic sci-fi replacement. So he's a pretty sick guy. Yeah. And he could become a Jedi if you played right. That's, that's kind of cool. I, um, I, I like these rules. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Ratchet that Silver Clank. the Hedgehog was. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ratchet and Clank was. I changed my mind. Ratchet and Clank has been out for 15 years as such. I, I'd hang out with Ratchet. We would absolutely get along. In a lot of ways, we're the same character. Fair. Yeah. All right. But uh, today we are continuing our Dividing Scriptures series, which is where we go through the Bible, 
verse by verse. And uh, we go through the ones that have been largely debated. Because uh, if I we went through the ones that have been smallly debated, uh, we'd do every single verse. Maybe every word, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we just like to see the history of the arguments and how we can have unity to f- despite uh, differences of opinions over these scriptures. Uh, our goal is not to say which interpretation is right. We try not to give our own opinion, uh, but we want to focus how on how we can have unity with people who have different beliefs on these topics. Yeah. Yeah, so if you came for an answer about the book of Job, um, what the book's about, or anything like that, uh, d- you're, you're going to be hugely disappointed. There are no answers, mm-hmm. which might be the point. Yeah. Message us on Patreon, and we'll tell you everything we know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Joshua, would you care to explain to our audience why we're talking about Job instead of finishing Exodus, I mean, finishing Genesis or going through Exodus? Yeah, um, to be really transparent with everybody, uh, it is partly because we've gone through a lot of the largely debated things in Genesis already. Um, I wanted to get into Exodus, but then I also wanted to wait to do Exodus until Pete Enns is on the show because he's big into Exodus. And I think that'd be a good intro. Um, so to stall, we're doing Job. Um, but to put a more scholarly reason out there, uh, a lot of people think Job happened during the book of Genesis. So that's a, that's another reason we're doing it now is because that is part of the debate. Um, and that comes from Genesis 36 when it le- lists all of the, um, all the descendants of Edom. One of them is this guy who's a king named Jobab. And that's who a lot of people think was Job. Right. Yeah. So TJ, th- that being said, uh, we, we've mentioned the name a lot, but we haven't actually told them anything about Job. Do you think you could summarize the story of Job in 30 seconds or less? I could do it in. Five. Very broadly. I can't wait. Job suffered a lot. A whole lot. <laughs> is that is that that's, the summary? That's the summary. Uh, Job <laughs> probably went through more than uh, anyone else in the Bible, uh, if you exclude Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he had it pretty rough. And then most of the disciples dying was was pretty rough. Yeah. But Which, as far as living purposes, Job had it pretty bad. Which is a large part of why there's so much debate. There, there are a lot of people who are like, well, God wouldn't really do this to somebody. The book must be saying this. Because it's a hard thing for us to accept that God would allow this to happen to a righteous person. Um, if you're familiar with John Piper's work, you know, he talks about, um, I, for, I forget his term. It's Christian hedonism, something like that. And uh, that it's really hard to fit those kind of ideas in with this story. Um but before we do, that's going to be when we actually get into the book. Today, we're just going to kind of introduce what the book's about, who wrote it, when it happened, and how we don't know the answers to any of those things. Um, so one of the problems, just starting off, comes down to the Septuagint. Septuagint. Um, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. Um, and it's, it's really weird, guys. Some of our earlier versions of this text that aren't the Septuagint don't include a lot of things that are in the Septuagint and vice versa. They're actually kind of two different texts. Um, and Septuagint, it includes a lot of stuff that a lot of Greek words that could be interpreted as being salvaic or like redemptive. Whereas in the regular one, it's just kind of like, Hey, this sucks. And, um, 
Yeah, so that, that's going to be a pretty big problem when you come down to the fact that a lot of our early church founder fathers and stuff didn't have any version other than the Septuagint. And that's where they based their interpretations off of. And that's where people got, you know, we build off of history. So we have two lines of thoughts from that. And um, one of them includes St. Jerome. We're going to talk a lot about him throughout the book of Job, because when he interpreted Job, he used the Septuagint and included his own commentary to try and make it make sense. And then people got that and thought, all of this is the Bible, including Jerome's commentary, because he didn't mark, hey, this is just commentary. Yeah. Chad move. I'm, I'm just going to transcribe this and put in what I think. Not say anything about it. Not a footnote. It's not off to the side. Yeah. People won't get this on no their reference own, so number. I'll just, I'll just say, uh, this means this. Yeah. Everyone will think it's the Bible. How do you feel about the Septuagint? Just in general? Mm -hmm. It's opinion time. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I like to not give my own personal opinion. Um, I think it was good in its time when it was the best that we had. Um, I'm of the opinion that now that we have more accurate texts that are older and in the original language, there isn't a ton of reason to still use the Septuagint. All right. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Though? All right. What do you think? I don't have thoughts. Hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few ways you can support the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast. Yeah, so you can always rate this show on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. You can sign up for our newsletter either on our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can share this episode on your own social media. You can donate to our cash app with the tag in the show notes. You could follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast, or you could subscribe to this show wherever good podcasts are found. Yeah, especially that last one. That's you know, probably the easiest way to make sure you get all the episodes when they come out. Yeah, and to show us that you really love us. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to the show. Indeed. Uh, so Job is an enigma. Uh, and has been the subject of much debate. Usually the debates are more civil than the ones that we covered in Genesis. Pretty sure no one has died over the Jobic debates, whatever you want to call it. But uh, we will see a lot of the issues in Job uh, can lead to bigger problems and how we build more important theological arguments later on, uh, which is you know, if you have a bad foundation, everything above it will be bad. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, those people who learned how to add with the new um, that what, what's that method called they do in school now? I have no idea. Well, if you learn to add different ways, even if you're coming up with the same answer, how you learn multiplication is going to be different, and eventually it's going to impact all of how you do math. Same thing with theology, you know, and, and we'll see that as we get more into the stuff. Yeah, uh, but today we're just doing a quick survey of some of the debates on what the book even is. Uh, the first debates revolve around context. Yeah. Um, so some people think that Moses wrote it, uh, primarily because of the subject matter and some of the stuff he talks about, like the Leviathan and all that. And they're like, well, other places in Psalms said that that happened before creation. So this must be during Genesis. So like content wise, it makes sense why they think it was written pretty early on. Um, but other people think it was written after the Babylonian exile because it was the type of literature it was. 
uh, primarily you didn't write like that, except for in like Greek or other different cultures that didn't happen until after the Babylonian exile. So uh, it's kind of hard to even tell. We, we have no idea. Yeah, that, that's the answer. Right. Uh, some people believe Job is the Adomic king mentioned in Genesis 36, like Josh said earlier. Uh, Jobab, or yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, some people believe he was a character from the exilic times. Some people believe the whole story is an allegory, and there is no literal person named Job. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about some pretty important people who thought that later on. Um, yeah, but in Ezekiel 14 and James 5, Job is referenced with a few other historical figures like Abraham and David and stuff. So, which, then that, that's a pretty strong argument for saying mm -hmm. that he was a real person. Cause, well, you know, it, it's, I don't typically create a list of my friends, you know, my friends, uh, TJ, um, Mark, Russell, Steve Rogers. You know, I, I just, you, you don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Although now I kind of want to. All three of us are Steve Rogers anyway. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's not like uh, some other stuff that's not in the Bible. There's a book called The Apocalypse of Paul. It's also not in the Apocrypha, in case you were wondering. Um, it's not canon at all, actually. But all of our evidence that we have points that St. Paul actually probably did write it. Um, and in that, he says he was in heaven, talking about what all he saw there. And one of the things he saw was a person named Job. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, some more evidence for it being a real person. Right. Uh, some people believe the book was meant to be ambiguous. Uh, some people think it has a clear meaning, uh, which, you know, vary, but uh, people think it's about the problem of pain. Some people think it's about who has wisdom. Uh, some people think it's about giving us permission to question God. And some people think it's about how wisdom doesn't always work. Yeah, very clear meaning, but we all disagree on what that clear meaning is. Right. Uh, Interesting. The story of Job is retold in different ways in other post-exilic literatures, such as uh, Tobit. Uh, Sirach's Life of Job, which is not Sriracha, that is uh, Sirach, probably is a better way to say it, but uh, and the Testament of Job. Uh, we will discuss the interpretations of the character of Job from these works in future episodes, uh, but for now note that St. Jerome used these to explain how Job was meant to be a Christ figure, which heavily influenced his position on the point of the book. Yeah, yeah. A lot of this episode is just going to be groundwork for y'all to understand future episodes. But is what it is. Uh, there's a lot of disagreement over what type of literature the book of Job is. We kind of already mentioned that. Um, some people think it's a historical narrative. Like this is just a historical story. And then it has a lot of poetic lines that are included later on. Um, some people, like TJ said, think it's just completely allegorical. Some people think it's just poetry that has just a little bit of narrative to kind of push the poetry along. Um, some people think it's satire. This is just a, like, um, what, what's the what's the book that you like? You know, no, no, no. The one where the one we're told to eat babies. Oh, uh, a modest proposal by Jonathan Swift. Yeah, uh, some people essay. Yeah, some people think it's like that, where he's trying to point out God's obviously not like this, so it's a satirical book. Um, some people, which I, I think this one's pretty interesting, think it's Socratic in nature. Um, basically, that there was an original work, but then one redactor came in and said, "Okay, but consider this point of view." And then someone else came in and redacted the book and said, okay, but consider this point. And so on and so on until we eventually get a final copy. Mm -hmm. um, quick warning with that. There's a character, Elohi. Um, he's largely debated, particularly because of redactions. Mm -hmm. And I, I personally believe it's a, a long-form post-modern haiku. Uh, I can't decide if you think that's true or not. Um, 
Yeah, but St. Augustine thinks that, and this is what's interesting. So near the end of the book, God's like, Job, all of your friends are wrong. But then he lists three of the friends and does not list Elohi, which Augustine took that to be as, so obviously Elohi was right because God said everybody else was wrong. So, I mean, you know, um, but then a lot of modern people who believe in the red actors are like, well, one red actor must have just came along after the end was written and added Elohi's part, which makes sense. That that would be why it wasn't included. It wasn't there yet. All right. And uh, if you've been with us before, you might be able to tell that this is where we go into our think tank segment. Uh, we will review some of the discussions we've had on our whole church think tank group on Facebook over today's topic. Uh, the group is about 30 church leaders, uh, mostly previous guests. And we've got pretty much everything on there from Catholics to Lutherans to Pentecostals. and uh, No one from Ethiopian Christianity yet. But if you know anyone... <laughs> Uh, let us know. Uh, Professor Chris Moreland, who was on pretty recently of the Catholic Church, told us that he believes the book is an allegory and was meant to be an ambiguous. Uh, Niles Merritt, good friend of the podcast, very active in the group. Uh, <laughs> mostly Reformed theology, but he's got a whole big backstory. You got to yeah. go listen to his episode for Oh, yeah. Uh, he told us he believed the point of the book was to tell us that God allows bad things to happen to good people to help refine the person being tested, remind us of our need for a savior, and cause us to give glory to God as our only hope. Uh, Pastor Will Rose of the Lutheran Church, got to be on our next podcast, but <laughs> he told us that he did an in-depth study of the book last year when many were suffering during the pandemic. Uh, he recommended Dr. Greenstein's commentary on the book. Uh, check our reading list below in the show notes for that. Uh, he said the importance of placing Job at the beginning of the wisdom books was to show how Job confronts human wisdom, showing that wisdom doesn't provide all the answers. Uh, Anglican chaplain Steve Lonclo had a small debate with Pastor Will. Uh, Pastor Will made the claim that Job contradicts other wisdom literature and Chaps disagreed. Chaps is Stephen Lonclo. Yeah, that's his nickname, which mm -hmm. you would know if you look, keep up with our episodes. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, things get pretty excited in there sometimes. <laughs> A lot of debate amongst, you know, different denominations. That's kind of what the show is for. Yeah. It's always um, fun to be the least smart person in a Facebook group. Yeah. You never want to be the smartest person in a room <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So also, it's also, it's a lot of fun when you're the least smart person and you're the one asking the questions. Yeah. You can ask as stupid as you want. Just mm -hmm. watch them, you know, say yeah, what they're going to say. Uh, that is all for our Think Tank segment this week. Yeah. Come on. Uh, now we're going to try to do a quick survey of what different historical figures believed about the Book of Job. Uh, I say try because I want to tell you all about all the details and why it's so important, but TJ's going to stop me because that's the responsible thing to do for an intro to Job podcast. Um, we're going to be talking about not just Christian beliefs, but also some historical Jewish beliefs and historical Islamic beliefs. Um, and just so you guys know, we're not condoning Judaism or Islam as equally right ways to get to God. Um, the reason we're including it is because some of their thoughts have influenced Christian thought. And it's important to be able to track the history so we can see, okay, this is how we came to some of our beliefs. Uh, and a lot of that actually did come from some Muslim thoughts on Job. So we'll cover that. Um, but first, we're going to talk about some Jewish thought because, uh, you know, it's originally just a Jewish book until Christians came along. Um, some early Jewish commentaries saw Job as a man who was set against God because he was so impatient, which is ironic because a lot of the times now when we preach Job, it's about how patient he was. Um, they believed the book was a condemnation of Job. 
just like those like him. So, you know, not to be impatient like Job. That's bad. Um, the Talmuds, which is Jewish commentary that's like canon for them and their religion. Um, it was canonized in 350 AD, which is after our, the Christian Old Testament was canonized, but before the Christian New Testament was canonized. So around the same time as the Bible, basically. Um, it sees Job as a righteous man in those texts. However, there's so there's two different Talmuds, but uh, in one of them, it goes from like one page saying Moses wrote this. And then almost the very next page says, yeah, but that story took place after the exile, which is like 400 years after Moses died. So that's kind of confusing. And then in another place in the Talmud, uh, it suggests that maybe Job was just an allegory. So even the Talmuds don't actually have a, a solid answer on that. So, Right. And uh, Sadia, uh from the late 800s uh, AD, yeah, yeah. Uh, believed Job never sinned and that the book disproved the doctrine of original sin. Uh, he also denied any Midrashic interpretation, claiming his that the book was 100% historical. Uh, Rashi from lived from 1040 to 1105 uh, believed Job was being tried because of his lack of intelligence, and this was also Job could learn more about God. Well, we will see this thought heavily influence Christian thought, yeah. which is why we're covering it here. Uh, Leon de Somi from the 1500s uh, believed Job was the first drama ever written, uh, even before the Greek dramas. Uh, he also believed Job should be a part of the Torah. And he's not the only person who thought that. Uh, Abraham Yeagle from the late 1500s, early 1600s, uh, believed it should be considered a novel and not a part of the Bible at all. Yeah. So those are two radically different beliefs. Yeah, yeah. A lot of different, very different Jewish thought. Yeah. It should be part of the Torah because Moses wrote it or not in the Bible at all. Yeah. It shouldn't be in any <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so then we come to Christian thought, which is uh, what you guys are used to hearing us talk about. Um, St. Jerome, again, I told you we're going to hear a lot from him. He was in the 400s, so pretty early on, but not like first century Christianity. Um, he offered, he often, like we said, he preferred the Septuagint translations of Job over the other translations, um, which is why he really thought it had a lot to do with resurrection and that Job was just a very clear say, hey, this is what Jesus is going to be like. Um, St. Clement of Rome, he's a first century Christian, uh, and Augustine, who was lived from 354 to 430 AD, they both used Job as proof of the doctrine of original sin, which is contrary to someone we said earlier. Um, Augustine also claimed that Job was the first to prophesy about Christ. Um, he's talking about Job 9, which says that uh, Job's talking about how much he desires a mediator. I would say that's more of a prophecy of the Holy Spirit, but you know. Augustine, if you want to come argue with me, that would be great. Good luck. <laughs> uh, Augustine also thought Job was a Christ figure, and his punishment represented the punishment of the Jewish people. Pretty pretty interesting take. Uh, Pope Gregory the Great lived in the late 500s. Uh, he agreed with a lot of the Jewish scholars at the time that Job was both literal and allegorical. It's a little bit of you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And uh, Thomas Aquinas saw a literal Job. Uh, confined to the Vulgate translations because he didn't know Hebrew, though. Uh, he thought much of Job was about resurrection as he was reading St. Jerome's translation, which included some added commentary by Jerome. Uh, he also believed Job's sin was against the intellectual virtues. This comes from Aristotle's thinking. Yeah. Which, which is interesting. Jerome was like, yeah, yeah, Aristotle was onto something, <laughs> which uh, was written well after Job. <laughs> 
Right. Uh, Nicholas of Lyra, who was uh, one of Martin Luther's big heroes, you know, uh, lived from 1270 to 1349. He differed from Aquinas in a couple ways, but not many. Uh, but he could read the original Hebrew writings, and uh, he denied that the he denied the Salvaic message of Job. Yeah, which is the big difference of him and uh, Aquinas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thomas. <laughs> uh, Martin Luther. Probably a lot of people are familiar with him. Uh, 1483 to 1546, he said the book of Job suffered more from German translation than the man himself suffered. He said, we were so bad at translating this. That was just worse. Um, he also said that it was about original sin, that no man is righteous, and God punishes everyone. And that's why bad stuff happened to Job. Um, John Calvin another popular reformist, uh, 1509 to 1564. Uh, he used Job as an example to prove his doctrine of the elect. Uh, clearly, God was like a Job specially chosen. Uh, he used the book of Job to defend original sin and resurrection. Uh, Theodore Beza, uh, one of John Calvin's students, believed Job was written after the, uh, after the style of a Greek tragedy. William Blake did a huge art piece in 1826 portraying Job as a romantic hero, and Victor Hugo in Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, portrayed Job as a romantic hero. Yeah. yeah, Which was conveniently left out of the Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone write a complaint. Um, C.S. Lewis, my personal literary hero, uh, he believed it was an allegorical book. He just didn't think it was historical at all. Um, Lewis lived from 1898 to 1963, so we're kind of catching up to more current times. And then two go to current times. Tremper Longman III, been on the podcast before. He'll be back in January. Um, he believed Job is more allegorical um, because he classifies it as poetry. Uh, more doesn't mean completely allegorical, by the way. Uh, he states that the point of the book is to ask the question, who is wise? Right. And we wanted to get on to some Islamic thinking because everyone has thoughts. Uh, <laughs> There is a medieval illustration of Ayub, uh, that is another name they have for Job, uh, in the Islamic libraries that shows Gabriel gifting Job a rose after Job is healed by a spring of water. Uh, Muslims were the first to begin pre- referring to Job as a prophet. Uh, Al-Tabaria, 1839-1923, claims that the story is to show how good believers would stand suffering for the love of God. Uh, Professor Lato believed Job's sin was thinking God to be like man, explaining that the book ends when Job realizes how different God truly is from man. This will be important as we go forward into the book of Job. (laughs) Some medieval Islamics thought uh, Job was a foretelling story of Muhammad, a Muhammad figure rather than a Christ figure. Even Asakir lived in the 1100s believe the text to have much to do with the resurrection and his contribution uh, revived this thinking in many Christian circles as well. Yeah, which is kind of ironic because, you know, resurrection has a lot more to do in the Christian circles than the Islamic circles. But, yeah, he, he did a pretty con- huge contribution to reviving that thought. Um, so, TJ, we, we talked about a lot. Uh, it also kind of seems like we didn't really talk about much. What can we disagree about concerning these ideas and still maintain Christian unity? Uh, me personally, this is a terrible question to ask me. This is, uh, there's only one issue I care about that, that we believe the same thing. That's that 
Jesus is king. Jesus died for our sins. And the triune God. That's it. That's three things. But still. You know, if you were on our episode last week for the speed round, I think you could have beat Beck and Link for quickest summary of the gospel. That was, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I... It, it's difficult for me. You know, it, it's one of those things where... Just to go back to math, because math is a simple thing that everybody understands at least a little bit. Eh, at least a little bit. Oh. I really don't care that much if I think two times two equals four and you think two times two equals five and I'm you're right. wrong. Whatever. Um, but eventually, as we build on our math and you start denying physics and then you start denying just common medical practices and it's actually harming other people. I have an issue. And, and that's the thing. Like. There's innocent disagreements with third tier issues, and then there's disagreements that end up go building all the way up. So it really just kind of, as far as I'm concerned, it depends how far you build it. You know, if you take Job and says it has to be historical narrative, and then you take it and say all of the wisdom literature has to be historical narrative, and then you take Psalms where it says killing babies of our enemies, we should do that, and you take that literal, hey, okay, we're, we're going to have an issue. Um, I don't think anybody builds that particular argument but there are some that i'm like okay you, you can't do that mm. you know so yeah. all the issues i know of in job are third tier but they build up so yeah. you've never you've never seen the proof that proves that two times two equals five next question <laughs> oh <laughs> i'm doing the next question hey tj uh, what's something practical that we could do to maintain unity when we disagree on these matters that seem unimportant? Like I said, like they seem like the third tier, but they can build up to be bigger issues. Uh, something practical, which you know won't be that common for everyone, because not everyone just talks about uh, what they believe Job is frequently, uh, is to agree to disagree on a third tier issue. If it's not important to the way you live your life, then move on yeah. be respectful yeah. and if you get too heated you get a little too angry just stop having a conversation <laughs> that's just good that's wisdom right there I don't know if it's that wisdom that Joe everything. would agree with but sometimes just stop having a conversation is great um, I, I actually had a thought too um, I'm trying to word this carefully uh, this applies to some of the stuff we talked about in Genesis also but when you hear that someone disagrees with you on something, don't assume what they build off of that. You know, when we're talking about these third tier issues, uh, which, you know, I mean, this isn't necessarily a third tier issue, but when we're talking about the age of the earth is one, right? And that's not in Job, that's in Genesis, but it still works for this idea. Um, just because someone says they think the earth is older, you shouldn't assume that that means they think it's millions of years old. They think that evolution is true and that the creation story is false. Don't assume that. You know, it's a third tier issue. Say, okay, that's fine. But what do you think about this? Treat it as different subjects. And I think you'll go further in your conversations. Yeah. Well, what do you think would happen if everyone started doing those two things? Honestly, I think everyone would be smarter because <laughs> we hear more opinions and we'd be able to articulate our thoughts better and also build our thoughts better because we'll have more perspective. Mm -hmm. What do you think would happen? Oh, probably that. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. But next, of course, you've 
listened to the show before, we're going to do our God Moment segment. It's just a moment where we talk about how we've seen God in our lives recently, whether it be a blessing or a curse or a moment of worship, any of those things. And I always make Josh go first, even if there's only two of us. Yeah. Yeah. That, especially if there's only two of us, actually, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this little guy has uh, he's, he's been a challenge this week. Uh, you can't see him necessarily, but uh, and if you're listening, you definitely can't see him. Um, my little puppy named Copper. Uh, he's been keeping me up. He's been keeping me stressed. He's also a very smart dog. Um, he's been both a challenge and a reminder that I probably get on God's nerves sometimes, and we all can do better. All right, and not chew on our mom's succulents. That's a good thing. Yeah, you should keep doing. That. Everyone should not chew on plants. No, you should. <laughs> it's good. It's healthy. Uh, I think by God moment. Uh, it's not really. It is a challenge, but it's also a blessing. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> finally have, uh, have recently acquired a player that not a lot of people like. And there have been tons of people canceling their season tickets just for that. You should instead give it to TJ. They're not going to do that. But along with that, I've seen some people saying, hey, he can prove me wrong, but he has to actually prove it. He has to prove he's changed. And, uh, you know, on the Internet, it's not very often that people are like, I'm open to be proven wrong. Please. Prove me yeah. wrong. <laughs> and it's nice to see that. And I'm not saying I think he can do it, but at least some people are giving him the chance. Yeah, that's always nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please consider sharing it with a friend or cousins. You don't want them to share it with enemies this time? Dad? Cousins. <laughs> Fine. Uh, I love my cousins. Um. <laughs> I feel obligated to say that every time you do this. See, co- um, <laughs> cousins are a step above friends and enemies. Cousin is closer than friend. I don't think I've ever had an argument with my cousins. Cousin, really. cousin shouldn't be closer than enemy. But cousin so, is closer than friend. Uh, anyway, uh, you guys, you guys can can uh, check us out on patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. Um, we also have another podcast coming up called Systematic Ecology. You can check out its patron page, uh, which will include at least one of my cousins. Oh. Yeah. Uh, some future guests for the show, we have Dr. John Soden, author of In the Beginning, We Misunderstood. Uh, best-selling author Frank Viola will be joining us to talk about his new book, Hang On, Let Go, What to Do When Your Dreams Are Shattered and Life is Falling Apart. Uh, Christian Ashley, creative writer, and Francis Chan at the end of the season. Yeah. He doesn't know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Hopefully. yeah. He'll, he'll figure it out. Eventually. He will one day learn and then be on the show. Yeah. And then we'll start with season two and we'll have the residing Pope because I'm not <laughs> counting on Pope Francis II. Yeah, because of how long it'll take yeah. season one to. Yeah. Yeah, that checks out. Thanks for listening. Uh, come back next week. We'd love to have you. Or just don't move. Stay in the same place for a week. Yeah. Yeah. And just hit play. <laughs>